0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus addressed this parable to those who were convinced of their own righteousness and despised everyone else. Two men went up to the temple area to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee took up his position and spoke his prayer, this prayer to himself. O God, I thank you that I am not like the rest of humanity greedy, dishonest, adulterous, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I pay tithes on my whole income. But the tax collector stood off at a distance and would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast and prayed, O God, Be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, the latter went home justified, not the former. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. We've all heard this story before, and we've heard many stories like it. Stories where there's these two different uh, protagonists, two different people. And of course, we who have heard the gospel many times, who have heard Jesus' story and see the way that he interacts with the different people, make certain assumptions, right? We hear Pharisee and we think, hypocrite, somebody who's really bad, right? Right away. Um, and we hear tax collector and we're like, oh, this is a good person. This is somebody who's right. right. But that's not what we should actually hear right away. Right away, we should hear the Pharisee and actually have somebody that we connect with in some way. The Pharisee was inherently not a bad person or a, or a bad thing. In fact, in the day, right, they were, they were the highest. And, and we shouldn't just write them off right away. In fact, we hear that the Pharisee today, right, he says, I'm not greedy, I'm not dishonest, right? He fasts, he gives tithes on everything that he has. He does a lot of good things, right, in the culture around him. And we hear the tax collector, and of course we always see the tax collector, and we know the way that Jesus interacts with them, and we kind of maybe identify with them or or maybe connect a little bit more with that, but we shouldn't. (laughs) The people of the day, when they heard tax collector, they heard the worst possible thing, right? The worst person, the person who was greedy and dishonest and stealing from his very people, right? We shouldn't hear the Pharisee and write off and hear the tax collector and connect. In fact, it should be the opposite way, where we hear the Pharisee and we should connect with them should hear the tax collector and kind of be like, well, what's, what's going on there? Now, this is really important for us because in order to get at the heart of what Jesus is trying to teach, we need to be able to be also in the place of teaching. And I think it's important for us to realize that this gospel helps uh, teach us that it's not always just enough to do the right thing. We can't just do the right thing. We also have to do the right thing in the right way. We can't do something out of pride or out of self-righteousness and expect it to be the right thing. We also can't expect that every single one of our failures is an utter failure that can't be redeemed we realize in this gospel that although the heart isn't the only thing, right, that it doesn't mean that if we do something wrong that it makes it right because, oh, we had the right intention, right? Intention isn't everything, but it is a large part of what we do. And we need to distinguish between the difference between pride and humility in the actions of what we do. Now, we've been uh, trying to focus on in the month of October within the liturgy. And within the liturgy, we have lots of things that we do. But do we always do them with the right heart or in the right way or the right intention or with what God actually desires us to do? I would say, although we might at times try, right, we always need to constantly evaluate ourselves, not so that we beat ourselves up more, but so that we can properly go to God like the tax collector, asking in that right relationship with God, realizing that we're not dictating the world to God, but that we're receiving from God many good gifts. Now, For myself, I know uh, when I approached uh, the liturgy or the mass uh, as a kid, I don't think I always had quite the right heart. I remember one of the first ministries that I got to do was I got to start altar serving around second grade. And I was really excited because that was something that older kids did. And I really liked it when I started to do it because it made mass go by faster. And so I wanted to keep on doing it because I was like, hey, this is great. i get to do something. It kind of takes my mind off of having to try to pray or pay attention or be good, right? I had something to do, right? But I didn't put my heart into it in the proper way. When I got a little bit older, I, I got bored of serving, and I really relished the opportunities on occasion. A Boy Scout troop would take over all the different ministries uh, at Mass, and the older boys got to usher. And that was a really prized position. And I was really excited when I got to do it uh, because it was a great opportunity to be able to do something and then sit in the back of church and not pay attention and get to talk with my friends. I don't think that was quite the intention of the ministry, right? That wasn't exactly the heart of what it was. I was doing something, right? I was engaging in the mass and the liturgy by doing something, but I wasn't doing it in the right way. I was doing it in the wrong way, right? And ultimately it was harmful for myself and for those around us. Now we as a parish have, uh, or for mass, have many different ministries that are needed but not needed. At the heart of it, all the different ministries that we have in church are important but not absolutely necessary for the holy sacrifice of the mass to happen. And so we need to always recognize that so that we can approach these ministries with the right heart in more than just doing a functional doing, although there is a functional doing, but also, most importantly, at the heart of what it is. And so I'd like to go through these different ministries and just kind of uh, talk a little bit more about them and kind of what they do, but also what kind of heart they are. The first ministry is sacristans, and I see the sacristans as very much evangelizers, Now, practically, they help set up everything. So they help set up this uh, baptismal font and get everything ready. They set up, put out how much bread there is and everything else. But I see them as evangelizers because they help prepare the soil for the gospel, right? They prepare everything for us to come and for the Holy Spirit to work in the Mass and transform something ordinary into extraordinary. And so even though that a lot of times the sacristan is a very, you know, kind of, uh, you know, normal job, it does have amazing, extraordinary effects. And it should be done not just as a practicality, but as something that desires and prays for all those who will benefit from the actions of the sacristan, right? We also have servers. And I see servers, in a way, as kind of like uh, the guardian angels. First of all, because they're supposed to guard me, right? Right? If something happens, he's my first line of defense, right? Um, Practically, they help, you know, carry uh, the cross up. They help hold books. They help carry things from the credence table to the altar. But we hear in sacred scripture different times about the liturgy, the heavenly liturgy that happens in heaven. And we hear that the angels are constantly ministering at the altar of the Lamb of God. And it's... Uh, partly helpful for us to be able to have a more heavenly liturgy or engage in a heavenly liturgy that the priest doesn't have to constantly run back and forth between the credence table or try to kind of work in that activity. But instead, we have somebody who we really shouldn't even notice, but yet helps everything seamlessly go along. If we have a server that's kind of looking around and is really hectic and, and, and moving all around, it can be something that distracts us. But if it's a server that's engaged in the Mass, that's praying, that's attentive to the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, attentive to what's happening, it can also help us to remind us to engage and pray in a greater way, right? We also have greeters. Now, the greeters are something that's kind of interesting. We kind of say, well, are greeters a ministry? Are they really needed? Well, why do they have? Well, practically, they help welcome people, right? They help hold open the door. Well, we, we can hold open the door ourselves, right? We can open up the door. or You know, we have been here probably before, and so we know where to sit. So what's the point of the greeter? Well, I think, again, in the heavenly liturgy, we recognize that within the heavenly liturgy, when we get to heaven... Uh, what will it be like when we get to heaven? Will be, everybody else will be doing their own thing? And then when we get to heaven, we're like, hey, uh, am I in the right place? Is this where I'm supposed to be? Uh, I don't see anybody, right? No, that's not how heaven, that's not how we imagine. I don't think that's how heaven will be. Instead, when we get to heaven, right, what will happen? Well, the multitude of angels and the saints will be there to greet us and welcome us into heaven. We want the similar engagement when we come here that greeters should help us to feel welcome so that it can give away the anxiety of kind of like, well, do I want to be here? Am I welcomed here? Yes, you are welcomed and you are are supposed to be here and to be able to engage in this heavenly liturgy in a greater way. And so again, the greeter practically opens up, open the door and says, good morning. But more importantly, in, the, in a spiritual sense, help to be able to engage in this heavenly liturgy. We also have ushers. And I see that the ushers are kind of like Archangel Raphael. And the Archangel Raphael helped uh, Tobias travel to actually collect money for his father in a far distant country. And we see that ushers help also people who may come a little bit late to mass, probably because they're kids, you know, it's difficult to get kids ready or, you know, the, the traffic was really bad in Hagen. For whatever reasons... <laughs> You know, maybe get here and they can't quite find a seat. The usher is supposed to help, right? Find a seat so that they can sit down and to be able to engage in the liturgy in a quicker way, right? Instead of standing in the back and kind of in this awkwardness, right? Again, kind of helping facilitate that engagement into prayer and into the liturgy. They also help uh, collect the collection, and it shouldn't be in a way of, of disapproving or, you know, the usher's like, well, you know, oh, well, should you give a little bit more, right? Kind of trying to, you shouldn't feel shaken out by, by the ushers, but instead you should feel a gratitude of the way that the usher approaches, right? Not out of, of kind of taking or out of obligation, but instead out of a generosity, right? That we should also, the usher should be communicating that generosity, that gratitude that we all should feel so that we can engage in the collection, not just as something practically and functionally that happens to help keep the lights on, but more importantly, is a gift back to God of gratitude, right? Now, there's also, we also have Eucharistic ministers. And Eucharistic ministers, I see as kind of a role of Mary. Now, Eucharistic ministers practically help distribute communion. And they do that because otherwise uh, distributing communion would take twice as long. It kind of helps Mass keep on going. But I see them as Mary because Mary didn't uh, possess Jesus in the sense that Jesus wasn't hers. But yet she took care of Jesus, right? In a similar way, Eucharistic ministers don't possess the Eucharist as their own to possess and take and do with, right? Or to be in control. But as something that they take care of to help distribute Jesus to the world. And so it should be more than just a functional of helping. But as something of that desiring and praying for all those who come up to receive communion to distribute communion and distribute Jesus and desire them to receive Jesus in the fullness as what Mary herself also prays as she gives Jesus to us. One of the other ministries is readers or lector. And I see this as the Archangel Gabriel. Now, practically, a, a, a lector or a reader comes up here and audibly reads the Word of God. But what is the Word of God? The Word of God is a message Each Mass to us, right? It's the Word of God communicated to us. Just as the Archangel Gabriel brought the message to Mary and brings the message to other people, right? Is a a messenger for God. Also, readers bring the message of God every single Mass to all the different people. Lastly, musicians. Now, musicians are like cherubim and seraphim. The cherubim and seraphim are constantly before God, worshiping him, crying out, Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts. And we know that musicians aren't absolutely necessary. On occasion, uh, on Saturday evening mass, if you've ever been there, I've had to lead music. And it doesn't go that well. It, 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 it can happen, but it, it's not quite the best. It doesn't quite lift our, our hearts in the way that, thankfully, we have dedicated musicians that give of their time to be able to help us engage in the liturgy. Because the spoken word helps us to pray. But St. Augustine says that when we sing, we pray twice. And again, so it helps us to pray in a greater way. But it also helps lift our hearts. Now, the the architecture of a building, when we see it, lift our eyes up to heaven and hopefully also lifts our hearts. Music, in a similar way, is something that as we sing, it pulls at our hearts and should also lift our minds and hearts in a greater way to God beyond ourselves. I would much prefer us to not have any ministries than to do them in the wrong way. Ministries is not something that's absolutely necessary in the liturgy. But it is incredibly important. And if you've ever considered doing a ministry or or helping out in some way, I encourage you to follow up about that. Or if you've fallen away from helping out in some way. But I encourage you, first of all, to pray about it that it should be a ministry of prayer as the most important, because the most important thing that we do in the liturgy is pray, is engage in that prayer that the church gives us, which is the prayer of Jesus Christ at the Last Supper and in his passion, death and resurrection. Everything that we do should be helping us in that regard. And I think that our ministries do. So may we come not as the Pharisee with a prideful heart that is functionally doing what we should, but instead as the tax collector, desiring to turn ourselves over to God, asking for his mercy and humbly coming before him always in prayer.